Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit ByteRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Sherry Gaba, and we will be talking about her new book, Love Smack, How to Stop the Cycle of Relationship Addiction and Codependency to Find Everlasting Love. Sherry Gaba is a licensed psychotherapist and life coach who helps people cope with codependency, love addiction, toxic relationships, and mental health issues. Sherry is a single mother, and once her daughter was old enough, Sherry returned to school to receive her Master's of Social Work from the University of Southern California. As a leading expert on addiction and recovery, Sherry's TV appearances include VH1's Celebrity Rehab, CNN, Inside Edition, The Robert Irvine Show, and Access Live, E! News, among others. She has been featured in Cosmopolitan, Women's World, and the LA Times, uh, Thrive Global, and the New York Post, Erin's.com, and Psychology Today. She has also guested many times on Sirius XM radio shows and now hosts her own podcast, The Love Fix. Sherry is the author of Love Smack, in which she addresses relationship addiction and codependency and is a contributing writer to the book Chicken Soup for the Soul, Tough Times, Tough People. Sherry maintains a private practice, and she is also the founder of Wake Up Recovery, an online group coaching program that applies the principles of positive psychology, Law of Attraction, and Mindfulness for Codependents, Love Addicts, and Toxic Relationships. For more information, you can go to Sherry's website, which is www.sherrygaba.com, and that's S-H-E-R-R-Y-G-A-B-A.com. So I'd like to welcome Sherry to the show. Good day, Sherry. Oh, good morning, Robert. Thank you so much for having me today. I, I'm really happy to have you. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll help some listeners who are in toxic relationships, whether they know it or not, uh, maybe find some uh, some insight, and I'm sure they will. So, um, I like to usually start off a show um, with the guest kind of telling me a little bit about, or in the listeners, a little bit about their journey and what got, uh, in your case, what got you to this um, topic of uh, relationship addiction? Sure. So uh, I was originally in the addiction field. I worked on celebrity rehab, and I was also married to an alcoholic. What I discovered, you know, besides being a licensed psychotherapist, I discovered that I was really focused on him, him, him. And I finally got to a realization that, oh, my God, I was dealing with love addiction and codependency. And so 
I sort of decided, you know, instead of just focusing on addiction, since I'm not a, quote, addict or a substance abuser, it was time to really kind of delve into my own trauma work related to love addiction and codependency, and then to also help others. So it was a very, very interesting awakening. And, um, and now I, you know, this is what I do in the world. I help people who have been in a series of relationships. I help them with the stigma of the shame and the blame about having maybe multiple marriages or multiple relationships and kind of, um, you know, tapping into how that happens, why it happens, and how you can heal from those things. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's really important. And like you, you said, talked about having an awakening. You know, for many people uh, they, who are in those kinds of relationships, sometimes it's very hard to see or, or to get to that particular awakening like you had. So, um, you know, and I'm sure that we throughout today's show and also with the resources that you have on your website for people to look at, um, people will hopefully raise their awareness. So, right, let's start right. With, well, we can, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no I was just going to explain to your listeners what love addiction, love addiction is. That, that was my question. <laughs> so, yeah, if you wouldn't oh, mind okay. telling what it is and what are some of the signs for people to look for. Right. So, today we're talking about love addiction, codependency, and toxic relationships. But love addiction specifically is, uh, some people call it a process addiction or a lifestyle addiction or a soft addiction. A lot, of, a lot of people only think of addiction as substance abuse, but actually people can be addicted to love and they can be addicted to all kinds of mood-altering activities, things like gaming or shopping or spending or getting. But with love addiction, when a breakup occurs, the addictive lover sort of longs for that attachment and that pleasurable feeling. They really feel alone and empty and abandoned when they're not in a relationship. Um, that was the, some of the trauma that I had to deal with myself. So they end up going from relationship to relationship and really sort of settle for less, end up sometimes with narcissists, end up in toxic relationships, because the idea of being alone is just so unbearable. And, you know, as we get into the interview, I'll explain why that is, because you know, often they will come from some kind of early childhood trauma that makes it really hard for them to be on their own. But basically the signs would be, you know, when a breakup occurs, you, you know, you're longing for that attachment, you're longing for those pleasurable feelings of that, that in love feeling. You're sort of addicted to being in love. Um, you know, with substance abuse, uh, addicts always talk about chasing that first high. Well, for love addicts, they're always chasing that first love high. So then they end up, you know, kind of putting themselves into a personal mode, being whatever that person wants, because they don't want to be alone. So they um, really over-adapt to what others want. They really have a fear of letting go. They have a fear of the unknown. They just need others to feel whole. They need others for affirmation and self-worth. They have really severe abandonment issues. There's even withdrawal symptoms. So just like a drug addict might need a fix, a love addict will need the same fix, and so when one relationship ends, they'll end up going into another relationship. So they really give up who they are because they want to be with someone so badly. Wow. But, you know, that's, um, I'm sure there are probably a few people out there now thinking, wow, that, that looks familiar uh, to me. Um, so how does one recognize when they're in a toxic relationship, no separate from the love addiction. We have that toxicity. And and that can be in with any relationship. 
Right. I, the reason I kind of put the two subjects together is because a lot of love addicts end up in toxic relationships because they're so fearful of being alone, they'll settle for anyone. So if you're in a toxic relationship, these are some of the things you'll know are happening for sure. You're ruminating and you're obsessing about that person. You're always worrying about them. Um, you're always worrying about what they think. You're obsessing about every little detail uh, in terms of lo- you know, the fear of losing them. Um, and then you, you really fear, like, you'll notice subtle changes in their text, and you just can't stop thinking about them. This is definitely one of the signs of being in a toxic relationship. You walk on eggshells. You're always, um, you know, kind of uncomfortable. You know, that feeling of, oh, my God, did I say this wrong? Did I do this right? Um, you feel guilty for everything because generally people that are toxic or narcissistic, and I don't want to say narcissistic personality disorder because I think that word is often overused, but you always feel guilty because they always make you the wrong one. There is no, um, I get, my dog is barking. Sorry, everybody. I'm going to grab her right now. That's the, 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 uh, the uh, a live radio. But they are so cute. If you all could see them right now, you'd say, that's okay because they're so cute. But anyway. Um, yeah. Well, you know, they, I'll tell you, really, dogs love the show. <laughs> so, that's so true. They really nice. do. And I'm glad, I'm glad you don't mind. Um, so anyway, they feel guilty for everything that they do because they're always blamed for everything. And then there's a lot of fighting, a lot of um, just a lot of high tension, a lot of manipulation, a lot of controlling behaviors. Uh, they um, a lot of yelling, insulting, criticizing. It sometimes can escalate to physical injuries. There's a lot of disrespect, disloyalty, um, a lot of devaluing a lot of um, criticism, dishonesty, a lot of D words there, a lot of, just a lot of betrayal. And then the thing that really is a telltale sign is you start, you stop, you start giving up who you are to that person. So you sort of, you, you stop taking care of your physical appearance, your mental self. You just start neglecting everything about you because you're so overly focused on this relationship. Um, so, with that in mind, why why are people you know maybe sometimes comfortable with toxic relationships or or you know maybe even to the point of uh, you know that addiction aspect of, to a toxic well, relationship? Yeah, I think for well, let's do, if we go back and we talk about love addicts or codependents. People that are toxic or toxic narcissists, they often do this thing called love bombing where they kind of manipulate you into the relationship. And if you're a love addict or codependent, you really live on that outside validation. So you love it when you're being lavished with gifts. You love that feeling of someone adoring you, but in a really over-the-top way. So that's why there's such a connection between being a love addict and getting into these toxic relationships. But one of the things that kind of lures them in are this love bombing. And so things that you would see in someone who's a love bomber or a toxic individual, they might say things like, I love everything about you. I've never been anyone as perfect as you. You're the only person I want to spend time with. They just they bombard you with phone calls and texts. It's just very over-the-top over um, attention. But then they suddenly want your undivided attention. And so they, they try to convince you that you're soulmates, you're, you were born to be together, it's fate. Um, and they, they just want a commitment really fast. It's just, again, I can't even think of any other way to say it. It's way over the top. 
But the thing you will know notice is that if you start to set boundaries with them and you say, no, you know, I'm not available, I can't be with you right now, or, or whatever it is, then they really get upset. So you definitely know you're with someone toxic if you set a boundary and they, they just won't have it. Ah, okay. Well, that's a, that's a good um, a good sign to keep open. And, and, you know, the idea of love bombing, I mean, I think, um, you know, once you kind of can identify or put a name to it, so to speak, then, um, you know, from now on, you know, whenever there's a bomb being dropped, I'm going to kind of be aware. <laughs> it's like, okay. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, These are all the things you want to look for. Exactly. So, but there are reasons, you know, that we become addicted to these toxic relationships. And, again, this is really common for love addicts or codependents. Um, often, you know, you'll have a history of toxic, toxic relationships with your parents. Um, your parents might not have been there for you. So I was talking to you earlier about shame and blame and, and um, not feeling bad about getting into these relationships, just learning why we do it and then getting the help to get out of them, you know, out of those relationships. But if we were neglected, if we were abused, if our parents weren't there for us, this is, this is you know, going to cause us to sort of, sort of feel like, you know, we weren't that important, we weren't worthy. There was, you know, and that, that is what will set us up in our adult relationships for pe- pick, picking people that are just not there for us. So it really, it all just stems from how we're raised and the relational experience that we had as children. So it begins, if we're, mm-hmm. if we're not properly able to develop really healthy self-esteem or positive, positive self-image or self-love, then we're going to be vulnerable to these really toxic relationships. Um, you know, it just runs much deeper. It, it really is about having a toxic relationship with yourself. Um, you know, kind of, it could have started the moment you were born. Um, I often share with people that I was um, an incubator baby. I was in an incubator for two and a half months, so I didn't get that early bonding. So from the beginning, I was always looking for love. And so I would, I would just settle for anything because I just wanted that, that attention. And we know now that people that are, are born um, in an incubator and they don't have that mother touch or they don't have that early attachment, there's going to be issues in their, their adult later on relationships until they do the trauma work. So um, it's really important to look at what's your history, what was your childhood like, were your parents neglectful? Did they abandon you? And have you worked on these issues? Because until you work on these issues, you're going to keep attracting these kind of relationships that replicate your early childhood experiences. Yeah, yeah. There has to be that change in awareness before there's a change in action, and nothing changes unless there's a change in action. <laughs> so um, That's exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Sometimes people no. want to know what is, what is the difference between an unhealthy partner and a, and a healthy relationship. And so I often, you know, will kind of discern that healthy relationships, when couples meet, they idealize each other, they're forming an attachment, but then love matures and it becomes a little less intense, but it becomes more secure. Um, trust develops alongside love. But people that have relationship or love addiction, they never get that past that initial stage of falling in love. And so they idealize the person they're in love with, but they never really feel secure. And then they become dependent on the person they love in a very unrealistic way. And they keep hoping somehow this person will create a kind of happily ever after, sort of that fairy tale. But it's very unrealistic to expect anyone else to create a satisfying life for you. You have to really, it starts with a connection with yourself. So eventually 
someone else is going to just disappoint you. Um, and I'm not saying there aren't great relationships out there, but if that's what you're expecting for them to complete you, uh, unfortunately, that's just not going to happen. Um, the relationships will never be truly satisfying if you, um, you know, it's almost like a healthy, instead of having a healthy bond, you end up in a psychological bondage when you're expecting somebody else to make you okay. Yeah, yeah, that, there, there is that strong need, the need for a strong sense of self, you know, um, to be able to, to move forward. And, and the beauty is, is that's all within one's control. I mean, you know, it has to start with you, and, and it's within our own control to be able to make those changes. So we don't have to rely on anyone else to make these changes. No, you don't. But, you know, if you have significant trauma, and that's why I do trauma therapy with my clients, if you have significant trauma, it isn't that easy to say, oh, you know, go out and get self-esteem, go out and like yourself. There are reasons that you feel unworthy. You know, you didn't get those early uh, uh, patterning that you needed from your parents. Um, I want to say one other thing, too, though, is you can end up in a toxic relationship and have a perfectly fine childhood. Sometimes you, are, you can be a very compassionate, loving, empathic person, and then you stumble across a toxic person. So I don't, want to, I don't want people to think that you must have a horrible childhood or early trauma to end up in these relationships, predator, and end up in a really, really toxic relationship because you're just a really nice person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I, what does, you know, we, we're talking about like obsession, you know, so when, at what point does, um, does the behavior become considered obsessive? Is okay. it in the eye of the the other person? Okay, so these are, these would be signs of somebody being in an obsessive relationship. So, like I was saying earlier, when you first meet someone, you might fall in love, but for an obsession, obsessive kind of love, you fall in love instantly. Like you think about them constantly, and this is more than just you know, oh, he's. It, 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 it's obsessive, you know, it's, it's addictive. It's, it's something you can't stop thinking about. You are fantasizing about a future together. So you're already kind of future tripping. Oh, my God, this is the one, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I had gone on a, a date last year, and this guy said on our first date, I'm going to marry you. And I knew this is not a good sign. Because <laughs> you, you can't, you know, that's like, no, I don't think so. So thank God I, I you know, didn't stay in that situation very long. But you know, you end up um, right. overwhelming your partners with attention. You feel it's your responsibility to fix your partner and make them perfect because you don't want to be alone. So you're going to, you're going to make this fantasy partner into exactly what you want them to be. Um, and you're not really being your authentic self when you're with that partner. You're always changing yourself to suit them. These are all the signs of an obsessive relationship. And you're very hypervigilant. And then you overact to the slightest sign. Like, let's say they didn't call you when they said they would call you. Then you suddenly you know, think, oh, my God, they don't want to be with me. Um, they've lost interest. And you just feel very empty and lost or unworthy when you're not in a relationship. That's really the truth. Yeah. Yeah, now, I mean, there are, a lot of we, down, there are a lot of downsides to being in obsessive relationships. Uh-huh. I mean, you can end up staying in abusive, painful, incompatible, and unfulfilling marriages because you either fear abandoning your spouse or you lack the you know, the agency or the autonomy to leave. And if they do leave, then they end up repeating the cycle again 
because they believe they should be in a relationship. So then they find another partner to kind of fill that empty void. Um, and they become really easy prey for being with very manipulative, self, selfish people who recognize their neediness. So they take advantage of it. So obsession can really lead you to lie to yourself. You deny your true self. Um, and you just make excuses for the shortcomings of others instead of really facing the truth. You know what? This isn't the right relationship. You know, he's abusing me. I, I, he's not good for me. We're not compatible. You end up just throwing all that away because you're so afraid of, of being alone. You're afraid of rejection. You're afraid of abandonment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Now, we often look to, um, you know, examples of relationships, everything from the, you know, 50s TV of, you know, My Three Sons and, you know, to today's TV, which is like worlds apart. So do you feel that, how, how does, do you feel the media portrays obsession? I mean, in many ways, it seems sometimes when I'm, when I was thinking about it, there are a lot of shows that yeah. Yeah. maybe kind of make it okay, seem okay. Well, to be honest, you know, I'm a grandmother. I have two grandchildren. I have a granddaughter. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I see is that there's just this overwhelming amount of princesses. Like when I grew up, and I guess I'm aging myself, but, you know, we had Cinderella and we had Snow White, but now there's like, five to ten different princesses. Like my, my granddaughter has a T-shirt and it's got like six princesses and they all fairy tale ending sort of perspective. So I think it really starts with, um, you know, early pop culture. Um, but often, you know, media also models obsessive relationships in music. You hear it in film, music. Um, you know, I, I remember the movie Fatal Attraction uh, with Glenn Close and Michael Douglas. That was definitely a... Um, an obsessive sort of love, you know, that's why it was called Fatal Attraction. And then there was another movie with Beyonce called Obsessed, which absolutely, you know, showed sort of an obsessive love. So, yeah, the media absolutely shows these really dangerous obsessive relationships. I don't know if they um, – I, I just think we still live in a world where everything's um, – it's all about somebody else making you feel good about yourself. I mean, love is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing, but it can't be the only thing that you get your self-worth from. You know, so we need to just really start modeling, um, you know, more independence. Um, I think there's more of that today, but even though it's 2022, I still think it goes back to fairy tales and somebody, you know, sweeping you off your feet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that indoctrination, you know, the recording of those tapes that will be played for years really, really starts young. Um, And, you know, the... You know, with regard to, you know, the the media display of obsession, um, I, I'm of, you know, to me, first of all, you know, you have, to, in, in a story, you have to have conflict. You, you know, you got to kind of like good and bad guy. So, right. um, well, and, and one of the things, you know, I when I look at it, I get the, um, the sense of, first of all, like, okay, that's, yeah. I can clearly see obsession right now, right in front of me, you know, um, and then how do I react to it? Does it make me uncomfortable? Does it, you know, does, does it excite me? You know, I mean, there are, right. there are so many different ways that, that I think, um, uh, I guess there, there are opportunities for us to see how we feel 
about, mm-hmm. you know, what obsession is? Well, I think, you know, when we're young, you know, of course you have those, uh, that first crush, that first love. But I, but like I was saying earlier, it's, it's usually like a little healthier as we get older when it can become more slow and steady, more friendship, more nurturing, more safe. I, you know, one of the things we're always trying to, to reach for are secure relationships or what we call a secure attachment style. And often if you're feeling really anxious, which would be known as an anxious attachment style, or you're with someone who might have an avoidant attachment style, that's not going to feel really good. And so we're always trying to – the most important thing is to feel secure with that person, to feel safe. And I think obsessive love is really not it's – not, it's not a safe and secure feeling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that, that's the – that would be – that sense of security is is really kind of important and for, for identifying it, you know, whenever – you're going through the, the interactions with someone. Um, now, by the way, we're going to take a break in a couple minutes, and I do want to invite listeners, if you would like to call in and ask Sherry any questions, you can call in at 619-789-4359. And for those listening in my chat room, uh, if you have any questions, feel free to pose them there. Um, so now, when it comes to uh, obsession, where we, a lot of times we, when we're talked about it, it's kind of like, others obsessed with us. How, how do we um, look at ourselves, you know, whether our behavior is obsessive? How do we know? Oh, how do we know we're being obsessive? Um, well, yeah, the, yeah. you know, in a, in a normal relationship, I think that there's normal ups and downs, you know, you, you know, there's, there's, um, but I think we know that we're in an obsessive relationship. Like if we keep looking at our history of relationships, and let's say five of them were really happy and one was really unhappy, you're probably not in an obsessive sort of love-addicted relationship. But if you find yourself unhappy in every relationship you're gonna, and yet feel even worse on your own, then that's probably going to be a love-addicted relationship. But let me, let me talk about withdrawal a little bit because that's a really huge component of a love-addicted relationship. Um, when you're in the withdrawal state, you feel very empty, you, you're agonizing, you feel obsessive, you feel panic. There's a sense of not knowing, you know, who you are. You feel like you'll never find love again. Um, but the truth of the matter is when you're in this state, when there's a breakup and you're going through some kind of withdrawal, this is an amazing time to really get to know yourself, to work on yourself, to find that authentic, precious self that you've sort of been avoiding by being in all these relationships that are unhealthy. It's a really great time, even though it can be very painful, to really start healing, start seeking self-love, and really learning what a healthy relationship looks like. Yeah, you know, it's, with any withdrawal, you know, there's going to be that difficulty and pain and, and um, heartbreak, but, but it's if you want to have healthier relationships, you kind of have to go through the withdrawal. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's exactly right. I think what it is is so many people want to avoid the pain. I know that was my story. I just did not want to mm-hmm. feel the pain of being alone because to me being alone, that I was like being that little incubator baby again. And, and truly, it was just excruciatingly scary and painful. So finally, when I had my last divorce, I said, you know, that's it. I'm going to really work on myself. 
I'm going to get the trauma therapy that I need. That's why I, you know, I tell you, I'm happy to share with your listeners. You really, you really want to find a really great trauma therapist if this is something that you can relate to. Um, and then I also have a support group, and I can give the information out later about that. But these, you know, you really want to get the help that you need so you, you can really walk through that withdrawal and get to the other side of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Siri, um, I'm going to go ahead and take our quick break. Um, and then when okay. we come back, I want to continue talking a little bit about um, that, about withdrawal, you know, and kind of what steps people can take next. So everyone stay tuned. Sure. We'll be right back to this brief. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5x7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Sherry Gaba, and we're talking about her new book, Love Smacked, How to Stop the Cycle of Relationship Addiction and Codependency to Find Everlasting Love. And again, you can find out more about uh, this book as well as uh, the services offered by Sherry by visiting her website, which is sherrygaba.com. That's S-H-E-R-R-Y-G-A-B-A dot com. Okay, with that, we're back, Sherry. Hi. Hi. Now, um, before we move into talking about trauma, um, I, um, I do want to bring up, uh, you mentioned your online uh, group. So can, I think it would be a good time to maybe uh, tell the listeners um, a little bit about what that is, the Wake Up Recovery Group. Sure. Thank you so much, Robert, for giving me this platform to talk about it. Yes, I have a membership coaching program, and it's a dollar trial for people in, that are listening to your show to join. It's um, a place where people get online group coaching. They also um, will have special modules related to love addiction and healing from love addiction and codependency and toxic relationships. Um, there's also expert interviews in there. It's, it's just a treasure trove of wonderful, wonderful things, and it is an online coaching program where they will work with me live, um, and they can go to wakeuprecovery.com forward slash IG1. That's wakeuprecovery.com forward slash IG1, 
And then I also have a free ebook and quiz for your listeners if they're wondering, you know, am I in an obsessive love relationship? Am I a love addict? And you can get that. And you also get a free ebook called Narcissistic Partners and Obsessive Love. And that's at sherrygava.com forward slash NP quiz. So that's S H E R R Y G A B A dot com forward slash N P quiz. And that's a great resource. Um, if anything, go there. And then if you want to pick up my book, it's called Love Smack and it's on Amazon. Great. Well, thank you. And yeah, and I didn't notice too, um, but you have uh, midway through your homepage um, quizzes about finding out if you're a codependent, if you're a love addict, yep. which has the ebook, and then um, are you in a relationship with a narcissist? Narcissist, and I'm going to be sending that link to someone <laughs> for them to go ahead and. But uh, they've been wondering. <laughs> so. Great, thank but, you. Uh, no, thank you for letting me uh, talk about my programs. I think people will absolutely love the online group coaching, and you know, it's a dollar to join, and then it goes to twenty-seven a month. But there's there's nowhere out there you get coaching for twenty-seven dollars a month. So it's a really really great point program for that. That is correct. That's true. So um, now let's let's talk about trauma, and what how does trauma fit into you know addiction or even toxic relationships? Steve, what you need as a child, your emotional growth is stunted. So I talked about you know my incubator experience, but others could be neglected or abused. They might have really emotionally unavailable parents. They might have been little parentified children where they possibly had parents that were very, you know, busy trying, you know, they were divorced, the single parents, so the kids had to really hold up a lot of responsibility. But when you're a victim of trauma, there's just this really false reality of yourself, and you don't even really know who you are. And so you don't really trust your emotions because you can't even really access who you are because nobody was really there for you. So um, when you feel invisible as a child, when you're neglected or abused or your parents were unavailable and no one acknowledged you, you, you really learn at a very young age that your feelings don't count. And then, you know, you feel like, you know, you weren't validated, you weren't acknowledged, and you become very other-focused. You, you really don't have a sense of yourself. And so when you learn to focus on everything else around you rather than your own needs, and that really is at the foundation of becoming your true self, um, you don't really know how to have an intimate relationship with yourself. So then it becomes really difficult to have really satisfying intimate relationships because you don't even have a relationship with yourself. So all your relationships in love addiction and codependency and toxic relationships often become very other-focused. And really at the mm-hmm. root of all this is, is shame, you know, the shame from growing up in a very dysfunctional family, um, a lot of faulty programming that you received, you know, and then you you just never felt good enough. You felt you didn't have great self-esteem. You didn't feel like you belonged. Um, and all these things are going to set you up for having really, you know, negative codependent relationships. So that's why I always say you really need to receive the therapy, the specifically the trauma therapy to really unpack those childhood traumas. Um, And, you know, trauma can be all kinds of things. I mean, you could have grown up where your parents got divorced. Um, They might have been abusive to each other. They might have been abusive to you. God forbid there was molestation. I mean, there's so many things that can happen, you know, in a childhood. And until you really work on those issues, you're just going to keep attracting toxic individuals (laughs) into your life. Because, you know, psychology says that, you know, we pick what we know. And it's the most uncomfortable. It's most comfortable to us what we know. 
So um, very important to do the work on yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, by the way, when you were talking about um, the sense of, of self, you, I just want to let uh, the listeners know that on your website, in your blog, um, you had a really great blog um, a few weeks ago about the reality of feeling devalued in a relationship with a narcissist. And so that was a really, that is a really, for those listening, that's a really good place to go and read um, and to really be able to absorb, um, you know, the, the characteristics that, that create the feeling. Yeah. I, at cherrygaba.com, I have all kinds of blogs um, on the subject. I also have, um, if you go to Wake Up Recovery, that was the, um, the site I gave you earlier. There are all kinds of blogs there as well. I mean, you know, if you just Google my name, there's just a beyond <laughs> so many blogs and podcasts. And by the way, I have my own podcast called The Love Fix, which also is mostly about dating, toxic relationships, codependency, and love addiction. That's called The Love Fix. And it's on iTunes and Spotify. And just a lot. I just have so much great information out there that um, – there's no shortage of information. You just want to make sure you get information from the right people. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are throwing around the word narcissistic abuse, and you just got to be really careful. Um, you know, who's giving this information? Is it someone who's licensed? Do they really know the subject matter? So I'm, I'm kind of a, that's kind of my pet peeve. You know, make sure you get the right, the right information. Yeah, yeah, that is real important, and, and you know, sometimes we're just not discerning enough um, when it comes to sourcing um, of, of material. And, and you know, I think it's just, it's, it's good to, you know, go out and, and research, you know, I mean, you know, like in, in your, in your particular website, um, like at the end of the blog, you also give links to other sources, you know, oh, yeah. so, so people want to, it's kind of like, you know, giving, um, you know, in a book, you're doing the, the notes, um, you're referencing, you know, places that people can go if they're more interested, if they're, you know, want further information. So, yeah, um, yeah so they can dive a little deeper. Exactly. I appreciate you bringing that up. And, you and you know, I think that's really true. I have a um, Instagram yeah. account. If any of your listeners like Instagram, it's called Codependency Curious. And um, it's a really lovely account, and I do all kinds of posts, and, and um, I refer to blogs, and I refer to videos. And, um, again, you can go on Instagram, and you can get lost in all the people that are so-called experts. And then you look at their, you know, their qualifications, and you're like, really? You mean you've been in a narcissist relationship? So that gives, that gives you the, um, <laughs> that gives you the uh, experience to help others? Okay. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm going on my uh, soapbox here, but I, I really um, – <laughs> I think, I think you're absolutely right. We just got to be really discerning. Absolutely, absolutely. And by the way, I just started following you on Instagram, so I look forward to, oh, to seeing your post. So, oh, um, with trauma, um, there's something called trauma bonding. Um, what, right. what is that? So, trauma bonding is—it's really interesting how trauma survivors can be magnetized to each other. So there's really three different kinds of trauma bonds. So there can be one, like the one I had with my alcoholic ex-husband, where we had very similar childhoods. So we kind of were bonded to each other by a lot of our own abandonment issues. And so that became our trauma bond. You can have other trauma bonds where, let's say, your parents were abusive, you came from a neglectful home, 
suddenly all the siblings become trauma bonded because they had these parents that weren't there for them. So the siblings become trauma bonded. But then there's the trauma bond between love addicts and narcissists or, you know, toxic individuals. And what they look like is um, they end up manipulating each other as a way to get the other person to validate them. Um, They do this by one may show up as being really insecure um, and then the other one and, and needing a lot of validation. And then the other one isn't that they're in, that they may be insecure too, but they need a lot of attention as well. So they kind of find each other. So you have this insecure partner pushes the healthy partner away. Then the partner needs the validation and they just kind of like, it's this dance that plays. There's also this, um, when, you, when I talked earlier about love bombing, you can have a relationship where there's a lot of love bombing going on and then suddenly a lot of devaluing. So one minute the person's being really loving and then the next per- minute they're devaluing, they're criticizing you. So it creates this really weird abusive cycle and then you get addicted to the cycle. You actually get, a, you get addicted to the trauma of the cycle. And I know that sounds very weird, but there really is something called the cycle of, of abuse. And... Um, it's almost like you get addicted to the adrenaline of that trauma bond. And so it's very, very hard to get out of those relationships. Very, very difficult. That's why when people are with someone that might be abusive and people will say, well, why didn't you just leave? It's not that easy to leave because there's this cycle that's been formed or this this bond that's been formed. Um, uh, You know, we've heard of words like gaslighting or there's another uh, word called cognitive dissonance where the person, what they say and what they do don't match. And so you're always kind of looking for, well, your reality is constantly being questioned. And you're constantly like, what is going on here? And that becomes kind of addictive. You're always looking for that, you know, that person that really, like, adored you in the beginning and validated you. But that person, you know, might have disappeared for a while. Then you've got the devaluing person. So it becomes this really, really toxic dynamic. I hope that makes sense. I hope people can kind of understand that. If there are any questions, I guess they can call in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's true. Um, or contact you after the show. Um, but but yeah, they, I mean it makes sense. You know, but, you know that's when it, when it comes because I've I've talked to many a, a person who have been involved in in various types of um, abusive cycles, and um, you know it's um, like like you say it's it's first of all it's uncomfortable, you know, and even possibly painful, you know, to, to change that cycle. But, you know, but that's kind of, but that's what's required in order to make the changes. No. Right. With, and to, and to not, make people understand that there's no shame that, you, that, you know, you're having trouble getting out or that you keep picking these kind of partners. That, that's why I'm here, you know, to help people go, okay, let's get to the bottom of this. Why does this keep happening? Why am I with a different face, a different name, but the same kind of relationship? Let's figure out why does this keep happening? You know, what is what is causing this? You know, when you don't when you don't trust another person's reality or or your own reality, you end up thinking that you know you're kind of responsible for everybody else's experience, and then you end up sort of having a delusion of who you think somebody is rather than who they really are, and that's really how you end up in these toxic relationships. You know, there's no there's no balance. It's very all or nothing. You know. Um, you know, you're you're either really super needy or you're shut down, and you're always, you know, you're craving these dramatic relationships, or you want to feel needed and feel worthy, and the only way that happens is if you're in a relationship. Um, so there's this really unhealthy craving, and, um, it, you know, it, 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 again, it's a very toxic dynamic. Yeah. 
if, if someone finds that they are becomes aware that they are in um, a relationship with a narcissist, someone, you know, it doesn't can be narcissist-like, you know, but uh, how, what, what are some ways that they can um, begin to establish boundaries that, uh, that maybe had made them feel uncomfortable? That's a great question. So one thing I want to say is don't try to justify or explain or defend yourself because narcissists use a lot of scrutiny and intimidation to make others feel very um, inadequate and you second-guess yourself. Um, and that's what gives the narcissist or the, nar- or the you know, toxic person this power and control. So part of the boundary setting, you know, is the right to decide what you want to share with others. Be really careful what you share. I mean, the less you share, particularly in the beginning of a relationship, is, is really what you want to do because they'll take that information and they'll use it against you. So you don't need to, you know, ever justify your thoughts or your feelings, your actions to an intrusive, toxic person or narcissist. And if a narcissist criticizes you, you know, you can say things like, you know, I hear your opinion, I'll consider that. Or you can say, um, you know, if they question your actions, you could say, I'm really confident with my choice. Or if they really demand an explanation, you might say, that's really personal, or we'll have to disagree to disagree. Um, and always remember, you know, leave when you don't feel healthy, you know, when it doesn't feel healthy. If you don't need, you don't need anyone's permission to exit a destructive interaction. Um, you know, you not others get to determine what is healthy for you. I mean, if you're like on a date with someone and you know that it's, you're in a toxic situation or someone could be potentially abusive, you know, leave, you know, just get out of that, that situation, you know, have someone call your cell phone and check on you and then you can just, you know, have an easy out. Um, you can confront the unhealthy treatment, you know, by saying like, I'm going to excuse myself. Can we talk another time when you're ready for a constructive conversation? I mean, that would be if you're in a relationship with someone toxic or, you know, you can say, this is really not healthy. I'm not going to participate in this. Um, Really decide what you're going to tolerate, what you're not going to tolerate. You know, a key component of setting healthy boundaries is knowing when to say no and really doing so. And that's why a lot of people that are love addicts and codependents have a really hard time with boundary setting. And that's why, getting the trauma therapy you need, working with someone like myself who specializes in trauma, you're going to learn how to, um, you know, set these healthy boundaries because you may not have ever learned that. You might have come, you know, from a background where there just weren't healthy boundaries. So you got to really, really dive in and ask yourself, what are you willing to accept from others? What are you not willing to accept? Um, you know, you may be okay with good-natured banner, but maybe you're not, you know, you don't want sarcasm in your relationship. I know I don't like sarcasm. Um, you know, so you got to mm-hmm. kind of find that line between a passionate expression of opinions but not someone who's name-calling you or bullying you. And, you know, one way of drawing the line right. is to say, you know, if you continue to call me names, I will end our conversation until you're willing to treat me with respect. And you don't need to explain anything further than that. Yeah, yeah, it's that's that's a a good one to be able to um, yeah. To, I mean, it's, it's once you set the boundary, that's I think when you really begin to have that um, that control, the feeling of control over how your life is going to play. Yeah, you're going to know who they really are because often, like, if you are with someone who's truly toxic, they're going to start arguing with you, blaming you, minimizing your feelings, They'll act like a, fe- a victim, 
They're going to say you're too sensitive. They're going to become rageful. And, and these are the things that are going to become very unpleasant. And so that's why in these cases, boundaries may not even be up for discussion. These are the kind of situations where you, may, you really realize, you know, this is just unacceptable behavior. I need to get out of this situation. Um, you know, I was in a relationship with someone. We had different political views, and that's a, a hot topic today about, you know, the right and the left and a really hot topic. And this person just didn't allow me to have my opinion. And so, you know, that's not going to work. You know, nobody has to be right. You know, we should all be allowed to have our own opinions. But if you, again, I can't say it enough, if you are trying to set a boundary with someone and they just will not have it, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard in that relationship to um, to move yeah. to a healthy, you know, connected, intimate uh, relationship. Yeah, you know, and it's at that point when you recognize that, um that is just going to be the nature of the relationship. Um, you know, cutting the cord and, you know, kind of moving away from, you know, that kind of interaction is really key. It, it's really hard. And, you know, and I've had, you know, we're, we're talking about hot political kinds of um, situations. I'm, I, I'm a Democrat in South Carolina, so, you know. Oh, that yeah, that, just, that, doesn't, uh, that doesn't really match very well, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> no. but, but the way I look at it is I'm here to to show them that different perspective, so, and, and that, yeah. that's cool. So. Well, we all um, have to be open. But, um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, as I say, so you know, when it comes to the um, idea of, uh, of of addiction, of obsessiveness, you know, and it goes you know beyond you know the just simply the love relationships in, in your life, and that it really applies to all relationships, you know, friends, coworkers. Um, oh, yeah. You can have a narcissist, you know, as a boss. You could have a neighbor. It could be someone at your church or temple. It can be anywhere. So all the things that I'm teaching, you know, can really apply to any kind of relationship. But, you know, the most important thing is to get, if you know, to get the support, you know, join a support group like mine at Wake Up Recovery. Um, start looking at just every relationship that enters into your life as sort of an opportunity to heal and grow. And, you know, learn, learning to become more self-aware and really learning to shift from the outside in. I mean, every, every relationship is manifested into our lives. It's, there's a reason for it, and it's, it mirrors the relationship we truly have with ourselves. So if you keep attracting toxic relationships or you're continuing to nurture your addictions to them, it's because most likely you just have a really toxic relationship with yourself. So it's time to really investigate, like I had to do, you know, 10 years ago, um, when I had my final divorce, I had to really just do this really deep work, this deep dive into my own trauma and really find out, you know, what, what is going on. Um, and if not, I mean, if you otherwise you really are going to have to just maybe sort of accept the relationship you're in, which I don't think anybody should accept, you know, unacceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really just accepting and welcoming this whole process. You know, it's, it's a constant work in progress. It's a constant uncovering and resolving toxic childhood experiences. You know, you're learning to build a connection with your healthy self. And um, at the beginning, it it may be kind of uncomfortable, but, um, you know, we all really have the potential to be healthy, valuable, colorful, vibrant 
strong and resourceful people. So no one is ever stuck. No one ever has to settle. Um, you're never trapped. You're just, you're just never trapped. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, uh, I want to kind of close, um, again, focusing on um, or highlighting your Wake Up Recovery group. Um, so people can go to the website, wakeuprecovery.com. Is that where they would learn more and join? Yeah, they would learn um, all about my program. I'm, but if they want the dollar trial, I'm going to recommend they go to wakeuprecovery.com forward slash IG1. And then if they want the free uh, ebook called Narcissistic Partners and Obsessive Love and they want to take the quiz, that's sherrygava.com forward slash NP quiz. If they want to dive even deeper, um, they can go to the Sherry Gava website. I, I have um, therapy and coaching packages. And they can pick up my book, uh, Love Smacked, which is all about codependency, love addiction, and toxic relationships on Amazon. Perfect. So are there any final words that you would kind of like to give to the listeners that maybe something we didn't cover that's important or just any kind of closing comments? Sure. Well, first of all, Robert, thank you for the work you're doing in the world and giving me this platform today. And I'm very grateful to you and your listeners. And I just, again, my, my mission is to help people not feel ashamed of the choices they've made to know they're never trapped. It doesn't matter how old they are uh, or how young they are. They can always, uh, you know, change um, the patterns that they have been, um, you know, just change these unhealthy patterns into healthier ones. And there's there's so much wonderful support out there for them. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time today. Now, again, um, as Sherry indicated, she is available on um, many of the social media platforms. Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. You can just go to her website um, at sherrygava.com, and you'll be able to see those um, at the top of the page. So, Sherry, I want to thank you for your time, and and I'm following you on on various platforms, so I'll be looking forward to following you in your journey. Fantastic. Thank you. You're very welcome. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Sherry Gaba. We've been talking about her new book, Love Smack, How to Stop the Cycle of Relationship Addiction and Codependency to Find Everlasting Love. And again, you can find out more by visiting her website, which is sherrygaba.com. And you can also find out more about the the program, Wake Up Recovery, by visiting the website, wakeuprecovery.com. So everyone, thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit byteradio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touched.